Welcome back to Trojan Talk. I'm Ryan Young, joined as always by my co-host Max Brown, the former USC quarterback, the Trojans analyst, our Trojansports.com analyst for this season. We are going to preview the game with Arizona State tomorrow. We'll talk a little bit of USC football, but we also want to react to the press conference to introduce new athletic director Mike Bone. Let's start with the football action. Max, how are you today? I'm good, Ryan. A little, a little Friday action. Excited for tomorrow. It's, yeah, it's been a jam-packed week. and, and uh, Yeah, you've been busy, man. <laughs> I, I've been super busy and really haven't spent a ton of time thinking about Arizona State or football. But that's why we have you here, because you break it down like nobody else. I know for a lot of people, the season ended last week, but it hasn't. There's three games left, and as the coaching staff has tried to tell the players this week, Crazy things happen. You never know what's going to happen. You got to play it out. While no one expects Utah to stumble against Arizona, Colorado, UCLA in some order, you never know what's going to happen. So USC needs help if they want to keep any Pac-12 hopes alive. But they're, they're going to play out the string. And if you want to know if this game matters to them, just look at at the injury report and who's playing this week. Drake Jackson's back after missing two games with an ankle injury, and Talanoa Hufanga is back. After missing two games with a dislocated shoulder, I, I'm stunned there. I thought, me too. Just given his history with that right shoulder collarbone area, they would take no chances. And I'm not saying they're taking a chance here at all, because obviously he's medically cleared and, and good to go. But that tells you that they're putting a, a great importance on these final games. So let's let's start there. How much do you think those two returns uh, make an impact tomorrow? Yeah, I think especially just as you get late in the season, anytime you're just getting depth and sheer bodies, it's got to help you. I'm with you, though. That uh, Talno Hufunga, to me, I kind of wrote it off as he's not going to play the rest of the year, like rest him, just long-term gain both for him at SC and then obviously his like kind of pro future as well. But I'll tell you this, there's no way he's – there, there's no way the coaches are like forcing him to play. Just no, because, no, no, of course not. Yeah, yeah, just, yeah, just and I, I only say it just to kind of give the the listener the the, the mindset of you might think ah oh, the the coaches are kind of on their last leg maybe they're trying to get every every bit of juice in there. No, this 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 is certainly a Talanoa decision, but uh, I think it's big. I mean, talk about both those guys. I mean, those were the impact defensive players, especially against the offense that doesn't really scare you as much. I think this is a game plan where Talanoa can really get downhill, really be that next man in the box to, to stop an Eno Benjamin and, and force this young quarterback to make some things. I think matchup-wise, it's a big deal. Just to round out the injury news for those that aren't up to speed, Stephen Carr is going to be a game-time decision, but, but Clay Helton really indicated that it's probably going to be next week that he comes back. So Hunter Eccles is now out for the season with having shoulder surgery. It's an injury he's been playing through, and it just got to the point where they're going to shut them down and do that. And USC is going to be down both of its nickels. Greg Johnson's in concussion protocol all week. Max Williams has a foot injury that will knock him out the rest of the year. So true freshman Kalana McCullough is expected to start at nickel. He's played 60 snaps over two games. So this will be an interesting spotlight for him. Otherwise, it's about what uh, what it was last week, plus those two big guys coming back. Okay, let's set the stage here. USC obviously coming off that brutal 56-24 loss to Oregon. They are 5-4 and four now, 4-2 four and two in the Pac-12. Arizona State, 5-3, and 2-3. Three, three. They had some buzz early in the season, but it's really faded. Lost their last two games. Lost to UCLA, 42-32. Lost to Utah before that, 21-3. Lost to Colorado in September. So th- this has not been a great Arizona State team. Max, what's your overall impression of the Sun Devils? Yeah, and... Uh... I don't ever want to kind of love myself up, but uh, this is kind of what I expected. I know I knew they were getting buzz like when that. I mean, about a month ago they were ranked and they rattled off some good wins. You talk about a Michigan State win. Uh, they stubbed their toe against Colorado, which at the time wasn't as bad as we thought. But they go and beat Cal and then they beat Washington State. And you're kind of thinking at that point they were walking into Utah mid October, kind of saying, "Hey, this team's rolling. They're kind of right there." And I was kind of like, "Yeah." 
I'm not so sure that they, they, they really seem like they're protecting their young quarterback, Jaden Daniels. Um, Eno Benjamin, as a result, hasn't been as productive as, as years past. I thought last year was very impressive with how productive he was. The amount, I mean, his usage rate, which is kind of a basketball team term, but his usage rate, I mean, it, it was through the roof last year. He's kind of carried that over a little bit this year, but they're starting a lot of young guys in the offensive line. Another another guy they're starting as well is Roy Hemsley, a former USC Trojan, a guy I played with. So he's a name that SC fans remember. But offensive line wise, they're not strong. And so to me, it was kind of like, hey, they're getting by with some of these wins. But I kind of had a feeling it's only a matter of time before it catches up with them. And that's kind of what we've seen. They get beat up by Utah, kind of hold their own a little bit. It was a rainy game, but hold their own a little bit. 21-3 game there and then lose to UCLA as well. So that's obviously the one that sticks out. If you're an ASU fan, you can't lose that game. But they're coming into this game probably on a similar, somewhat similar trajectory as SC. I mean, things were rolling a little bit there, and then they kind of stubbed their toe, coming off bad losses. I guess is probably the biggest comparison point. But if, you're, if this is this is a team that this this ASU team is not nearly as good as some of the teams uh, when I was there, when they had Kelly at quarterback and. Even Mike Berkovici with Jalen Strong out wide and, and a stingy D. I, I don't think it, it's to that level, but it's a good team. It's a solid team. And uh, if, if SC doesn't bring their A game, uh, this ASU team can, can, certainly beat, can certainly beat SC. Yeah, they may be on a similar path this season, but obviously in very different places as programs. Arizona State's in year two with the Herm Edwards experiment. I'm still going to call it an experiment. because You're not bought in? <laughs> the hire surprised me so much. I, I say it's going better than I expected, but we'll, we'll see what the long-term uh, outcome is there. While USC is obviously playing out the end of an era, as, as we, we just all presume that these are the final games for Clay Helton. Obviously, no decision has been made by new athletic director Mike Bone or the administration, but that's just the assumption that everyone's working off of. So it's it's an interesting time for USC. Again, after the way they finished last year, I just expect the players to be bought in and care about these games and want to get into a bowl game and, and just not want to repeat 5-7 and seven again. Because I talked about it on the last podcast. You just felt like so much went into this offseason and preseason to, to affect change and to, to not repeat that. So there's differing opinions, but I'm fully in the camp that I expect this USC team to come out and play its best these last few games. And maybe that's yeah. a little tease for the hot take segment coming up <laughs> later in the podcast. Yeah, no, for me, I think it's it's kind of this game's pivotal for both teams because it kind of, with only a batch of games left, it kind of dictates di- dictates how they finish. I think Herm was getting a ton of buzz early in the season, rightfully so. He's done a, done a great job. And to your point, I mean, expectations are huge, right? USC walks into this this season, you're kind of expecting maybe double-digit wins, like a huge turnaround, like really competing for the conference championship. For ASU, expectations weren't that high. Anytime, uh, I know both teams have a true freshman quarterback now, but from the start of the season, uh, you kind of were saying, all right, it's going to be one of three true freshman quarterbacks for ASU. Jalen Daniels uh, emerges. The expectations weren't so high, I guess you could you could say, but then they, they beat some people early. But then now, for both these teams, if ASU wins – they're on a trajectory that's way different. They go six and three. It's super favorable. It's two straight wins against SC. That's a you better believe that's recruiting pitch number one for the the Sun Devil coaches on the road. And then at that rate, and then if SC were to lose, then that goes down a path of here we go again. It gets even. You mentioned the end of an era. Era. I agree, but then it just uh, brings even more negativity on top of things. Yeah, I think a pivotal pivotal game for both teams. I will say though, if we, I think we we both agree that it's just a matter of time in terms of uh, the, the the change for SC. For but for ASU, like this game's big because, I mean, just the the narrative that the Sun Devils can kind of roll with into 2020. If they do get yeah. a win at SC, they have some. They'll have Oregon State the the week after. Which, if you're an ASU fan, you'd like to think you could win. But Oregon State's doing some good things, and then Arizona's not in a good place, which they have as well. So, some some winning opportunities there. But it's it's a game that I'd expect SC to win. I'll pick SC to win. They should win. But on the road in Tempe in the desert, I guess you never know. You mentioned recruiting, and that reminded me we should probably retell the Drake Jackson story. He's coming back and playing this week. But in my time covering college football, it's one of the most fascinating recruiting moments was Drake Jackson's decision last December to choose USC over Arizona State. 
it's not hyperbole or an exaggeration to say it went down to the last minute. It went so far down to the last minute that Drake Jackson was had recorded a spot to, I think it was on Fox Sports, was supposed to run with a few other local guys making their announcements in the early signing period. He had recorded two spots, one for both, both teams, and was going to decide that day. He calls into the station and says, it's going to be so-and-so. And then a half hour later, he's like, no, 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 it's not. Cancel that. And he couldn't think it was mine in time for it to air on the special, so it didn't air. Then they go to his signing ceremony at Corona Centennial High School, and he tells his dad to change out of his USC shirt because he's not sure what he's going to say yet, and he doesn't want to say Arizona State, and his dad's wearing a USC shirt. I did not know and that. That's crazy. That's crazy, and, and, and that's, that's verified. His dad's told me the story. Drake's told me the story. That's what happened. And so they're they're on the stage or dais or whatever it is at the ceremony, and Drake says USC. And if you watch the video, his parents are behind him, like to the side behind him. You'll see his dad lean forward and look over just to make sure that his son didn't say the wrong thing, and make sure he was actually wearing the USC hat because he, by that point, he had resigned himself to it being Arizona State. So even his family was surprised in that moment. And That's it's, crazy. It's, it is crazy, especially when you consider how important he's been, just how pivotal that recruiting win was. I mean, obviously, it hasn't kept them from having a, an up-and-down season, but we can all agree that Drake Jackson is an, has been a major impact player and is a star for this program for years to come. Yeah, there's fans kicking themselves over that, especially because kind of coming into the year, SC, or ASU's defense had really high expectations. They, they've been a solid group at best, to be honest, but they have not been the blow, blowing the doors off the water. So you get a guy like Drake Jackson for them, I mean, that would have been a huge win. And I mean, those are the marquee gets if you're ASU. I mean, we kind of talked about it last week with Oregon, but if Oregon's going to come to Southern California and poach guys, like, they got to beat SC. They got to get these big-time guys. If you're ASU... That's, I mean, they're going to sit behind Oregon. They're going to sit behind SC in a lot of recruiting battles. I know that's kind of changing, and they're at least mixing things up. But, man, a, a Drake Jackson a win for them would have been big and would have been a huge loss for SC, especially as, I mean, as we saw in 2019, SC's defensive line injuries, Christian Rector going down. I mean, Drake Jackson's had a huge role, as you just said. So a big win uh, in the offseason that is, uh, is huge for SC fans for the next two, three years, however long he's here. Yeah, it puts it in perspective when when you, you think about you know people make so much about recruiting that one moment had a direct impact on the upcoming season. So recruiting is not always like the NFL draft where you're drafting you're getting guys who are going to come in and immediately change the complexion of your program or franchise. But in certain cases, it is that way, and we've seen it with USC a lot this year. Caden Slovis, Drake Jackson. So as as we get to signing day coming up, just keep that in mind that that some of these swing guys and decisions really do matter immediately yeah uh, we talked to drake this week about it i said is it going to be weird going there to play since you were so close to that staff and he goes nah nah he goes i i haven't looked back he's 100 percent content that he made the right decision the best decision and in fact i forget what the exact words were but he put it as looking back it, it was an easy call or something like that so okay well let's get to the game let's get to the matchup Let's start with the Arizona State offense. Everyone, I think, knows Eno Benjamin, but he's not having an overwhelming season, like you hinted at. He's averaging 4.4 yards a carry, 679 rushing yards, seven touchdowns, 22 catches, 204 yards, two touchdowns. And then Jaden Daniels, the freshman quarterback, pretty decent season, 1,902 passing yards, 11 TDs, two picks, and he's mobile. 273 rushing yards. That's the concern for USC, obviously. But break down this offense for us, Max. Yeah, it's not as uh, dynamic and as as explosive as we've seen kind of when I was there. So I guess, I don't know, 14 to uh, – or like 13, 14, 15, 16. Like those Berkovici, Taylor uh, Kelly, I think his name was, like uh, those quarterbacks, like those – they were really throwing the ball. They were really kind of pretty, pretty dynamic. I think – it is pretty close to last year in terms of mentality. Like last year with Manny Wilkins, like, man, they were really leaning on Eno Benjamin. I mentioned his usage. I remember doing a radio show preseason, and we, we were kind of putting the, the over-under on, like, Eno Benjamin carries at, like, 300-something. It was, like, a crazy amount just because, like, they really rely on that run game. And to 
To a large extent, it's the same thing this year. They're going to go under center a little bit. They're going to get downhill. They're going to mix up some of the, the shotgun stuff, but they rely on this run game. Um, Jaden Daniels, he's only going to throw, he only averages like 27 attempts a game. So, I mean, we're talking about however many uh, our true freshman quarterback had last week to his 27, like they are going to protect him. And I know there's been some backlash, like people say, oh, they're not protecting him. They're just kind of, it's with the system. But to me, they haven't really opened up the whole deal for him because at the end of the day, he is a true freshman quarterback. Um, but like you said, 11 TDs, uh, two picks. One of those picks was on a Hail Mary. So I counted as like one pick, which that's extremely uh, efficient. Um, he's not making the critical mistake, which that's the biggest thing with the true freshman quarterback. It's not a matter of them playing scared necessarily. I won't go that far. I think it's just a conservative brand of offense. I think they know what they have uh, in store. They are, they're weak up front offensive line-wise. So, I mean, this defensive line, you talk about uh, J2 Fele and Marlon Tui Peloto and RN, uh, as well as Drake Jackson coming back, Christian Rector hopefully as, as well, like full go. I think that's an area where if you're SC, you really got to get after them. But you finished it off perfectly in the fact that Jaden Daniels, he is mobile. So once again, he is athletic. He is dynamic. I don't know if the offense is super dynamic, but you get him outside of the, off outside of the pocket, he can make some plays. So that's got to be definitely a, a concern or at least a worry or a point of focus walking into this game. And then outside, they have good athletes. They have good receivers. To me, it's kind of what we've come to expect at an ASU receiving core. They're not going to necessarily be all world like USC, but they're going to be kind of that notch down. They got Frank Gar Frank Darby outside, who's a good athlete, taller guy. So, I, I mean, an ITS matchup there might be interesting, but I like all our corners, so I don't think we'll, we'll – uh, We'll scheme specifically for him, but uh, they have Frank Darby and then uh, Brandon Ayuk, who he's been around for a little while. Uh, he was a good receiver for him last year, doing some good things this year. I don't know the exact stats, but just from watching it, I believe he's kind of more their, their big play guy, but that kind of rounds out, rounds out their offense. To me, if you're SC walking into this game, it's just to line up and let's play kind of game. I don't have to reinvent the wheel for anything. I expect more pressure. I mean, anytime, uh, anytime Clancy sees a true freshman label next to a quarterback, you better believe he's going to be getting after this guy. That paired with an inexperienced offensive line or not the best offensive line, I'd expect Clancy to really bring some heat. And that's kind of how I view uh, ASU offensively right now. Yeah, for sure. Uh, a while back there, you mentioned the word conservative, and that triggered for me – an upcoming rant here, or many rants. I think I did the same thing last year. So the loyal listeners of the podcast have already heard it. But the reason why I have not bought into the Herm Edwards hire fully and certainly didn't in the moment was because, and this is going to really date myself here, I was in Kansas City during his tenure as the Chiefs head coach, and I'm not sure I've ever seen a more conservative coach and, and conservative to his detriment. And then those weren't overly talented Kansas City teams, so it's it's not like the ceiling was ever gonna that high regardless. But just watching watching his teams for for those years, I'm just like I do not see this transferring to to college football where where you've seen even the historically conservative offenses having the change. Like LSU now has has finally opened things up and gone with a more electric offense, and, and where does it have them at the, at the top of the national rankings? And it, Nick Saban obviously made some adjustments years ago to become less conservative as, uh, with his offenses. So I, I just I don't know that Herm Edwards and his conservative style is a fit for modern college football. And that sounds a little harsh the way that I said that. No, but, I, I'm, I don't know if I'm like – that skeptical, like I still think he's doing some some like solid things. I know you agree with that as, as well, but I'm, sure. I, yeah. I, I'm the point. I'll add is it's funny when you win, people then kind of talk about oh this NFL style of keep it close and they're always going to be <laughs> in it one. They're always going to be in the fourth quarter. They're one possession away, and man, they do a great job of winning close games. Versus then when you lose, it's like conservative. They got to open it up. They got athletes like all that kind of thing, and it's just once again another story of. Man, this game we play and this sport we love is such a fine line with things and just the narrative that can be piggybacked on uh, wins and losses is so big. But no, I'm kind of with you. I, I, I still think the on-the-field style, I'm with you. It'll be interesting to see as Daniels develops, Jaden Daniels develops, 
do they kind of really open it up with him? And I think the answer is going to be yes, but we'll see. I just think I do got to give props. The recruiting with, I'm blanking on his name, the old uh, Giants linebacker, uh, Antonio, Antonio Pierce. Antonio Pierce, yeah. The recruiting and kind of the style they're doing there seems effective. And one of my best buds, high school teammate, is their uh, sideline reporter. And he kind of says the culture within the program of kind of this Hermes CEO and then these coordinators as kind of like true just – just owners of their specific kind of niche on the team has been an effective and uh, new way of doing things out there. So to that, I kind of give credit, but I'm with you. The conservative part is kind of a wait and see thing for me as, as, uh, as Jane Daniels develops. I, I do like their staff overall and they are uh, recruiting very aggressively and, and well for that program. So definitely give credit, but <laughs> you triggered another her memory for me there. And it's been so many years. So the exact quote's going to be diluted a little bit, but, after a game, he said, you know, we just want to be down seven entering the fourth quarter. And we're all like, why do you want to be down seven? <laughs> <laughs> and and, and you, you know what he meant, just keep it close. But the way he said it just really kind of underscored and emphasized the state of that franchise at that time. And, and we would always joke about that line. So that's funny. Yeah, that's that's her. That's her. Uh, great guy. Great person, obviously. I'm, I'm sure he's had a huge impact in that program in many ways. I just don't know if it's going to ever reach the ceiling on the field that many people probably hoped. Okay, so given that with the offense, you're expecting Clancy to bring a lot of pressure, be aggressive there. Is, is there another key or, or one thing you think the USC defense has to be able to do in this game to, to ensure victory? I think, I mean, kind of with the with the mobile quarterback, like like staying in your lanes and whatnot, to me, I think the like the fact that there is no key is like kind of the key. And what I mean by that is just like play straight up. Like this offense is nothing like crazy or fantastic. Like if yeah. you just play straight up and and don't try to like do anything out of like what this SC defense is able to do, I feel really confident about that. I think it, it gets a little more interesting kind of on the offensive side for SC, but defensively. There, there, there is no. I mean, you stop Eno Benjamin. I think that's 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 the the number one key. I guess if I had to point my finger on one thing, but to me that's just kind of what everyone's done. That everyone has kind of said we're not letting number three beat us because he is an NFL back. He is their captain. He is kind of their bell cow. But I just think on the road, not allowing the big play. When you talk about an offense who isn't necessarily super explosive. I think it's even more critical that SC doesn't allow this to be the game where they are explosive kind of thing or they do or or, or Arizona State's kind of able to to kind of really build build up some things that they haven't done all year. But yeah, I think it's just play straight up, play good ball and that that that's enough to win this ball game. All right, well let's flip sides of the field. Break down the Arizona State defense for us, Max. This defense is goofy. Um, like I like I mentioned, they came into this season with super high expectations. Um, they started a lot of freshmen last year. Merlin Robinson was one of the best middle linebackers in the country. And then coming into this year, people on the ASU side were saying, all right, everyone's talking about Utah. Some people are talking about SC, but this Arizona State, like they could be the best defense in the, co- in the, in the conference. We haven't necessarily seen that. They haven't been bad, but they haven't been all world. They're at the very bottom of the country in uh, interceptions, which... For, for SC fans, I remember Jack Jones. He's a defensive back for them out there. Uh, kid I played with at SC. He's a face they'll recognize out there. And they got some good players. I think all around they have some talent out there, which hasn't necessarily been the case with with a lot of like the, with uh, some of the Pac-12 schools we've played this year. Arizona is a school that kind of comes to mind. But they have good guys. But it's kind of goofy. I, I mentioned that. So they're terrible interceptions, but they're really good at causing fumbles. That's kind of been their mo. And so I think turnovers at large. It, it, the, the stat hasn't been towards the bottom for how bad it has been with picks. So I think, I mean, as I say that, I'm sure a lot of the listeners are like the, the sack fumble on Keaton last week's kind of come in front of mine. And I think that's a big part. They've had a knack for kind of getting those fumbles. They got one uh, last week against uh, UCLA. And so that's something that I would keep my keep my eye on. They are very good at stopping the run. They're, uh, I think, 20th or 22nd nationally in stopping the run, which kind of gets to my whole goofy world uh, word and, and the fact that coming into this game, USC's probably not going to have any business running the ball in the first place just because of the depth of their running back group. So that strength the ASU is not really even a factor for SC at this stage in the game. So that kind of will be interesting. ASU struggled 
versus the Air Raid versus Washington State, I believe. The score, yeah, well, I got it right here. The score was 30, uh, Washington State was able to put up 34. I think they put up 400 plus yards of passing that game. So on the SC side of things, that should be a, a, an area where SC can really get after these guys. But uh, yeah, I'm trying to think. Their, their defensive lineman, Jermaine Lowell, he's kind of their bell cow um, on the defensive line. Uh, they run a 3-4 kind of radar defense. Uh, I talked with Mike Jenks earlier this week. He calls it an amoeba defense where you kind of just are flowing around out there. Um, so yeah. <laughs> I haven't heard that. Yeah, like so the, yeah. So radar defense is the quarterback term I use. He used amoeba, but they're going to do some different things. Their uh, defensive coordinator is kind of known for that like three three five or that three five kind of defensive backs doing a bunch of different things. So it's going to be a new picture. Um, it's going to force this offensive line to really get gap sound and kind of make sure uh, on the USC side that they're really getting a hat on hat for different blitzing packages, different run game schemes. But yeah, Jermaine Lowell, I saw a stat. He's fourth nationally in stopping the run for three four defensive ends. So he's a good he's a good guy, good player, high productive guy for them. But by and large, I kind of look at this defense and say they have the talent to make some plays. They have the talent and scheme to do some things. I think you you walk into this game respecting this bunch. But I think stat-wise, they haven't been as good as we thought coming into this year. But got some good defensive guys. Darian Butler, their linebacker. I mentioned Merlin, Robbins, uh, Merlin Robinson. He's kind of the, the, the famous name, number eight, their middle linebacker. But Darian Butler, their other linebacker, leads the team in tackles. I mentioned Jack Jones at corner. Uh, their safety, Evan Fields, is kind of the next big uh, big tackler. But, yeah, they got talent. SC should be able to make some plays. Yeah, I think we agree that regardless, they were going to come out in a heavy pass attack again. Graham Harrell has showed no second guessing of that plan from last week. He's said, no, I liked it. I thought the ball was moving well. We just made mistakes. So don't look for them to do some uh, correction based on on last week's imbalance with the passing game. We talked to Mike Jinks this week, and he's uh, he's he's really proud of Keenan Christian. He was he was uh, pleased with his effort in pass blocking. He was in for twenty two or twenty three pass blocking snaps last week. Allowed one quarterback hurry. <laughs> Jinx Jinx line was Keenan's job last week was to get run over slowly, and he did a great job at it. <laughs> so, get run over it, slowly. Yeah, that's funny. Just, just hold him up for uh, for long enough. It's it's so, funny so he, It's funny when we talk, because I talked to Jinx as well, and th- those two long runs that Keaton Christian had early were awesome, right? We saw what we can do. It was great. Yeah. But I also think it put a narrative in some SC's fa- in SC fans' he- heads of like, sure, yeah, like, Oh, he's there's no drop off. Like there, oh, you go Marquis Step. He's he's a freshman running back. Then all right, we'll just put Keen Christian. He's great too. But anytime I talk to Jinx, anytime I talk to to Harrell, you can tell that there is they they know Keenan Christian can be great at a certain point at SC. But right now there is some hesitancy about kind of what he brings to the table. Obviously, we've seen that with kind of don't he's only getting 15, 20 carries a game. They're asking him to do specific things. But don't get it twisted. I think. Those runs were great, but if you're an SC fan that's just expecting him to just kind of, all right, let's roll, and why are they not running the ball? He can carry the load. He's shown some big things. We'll backtrack a little bit because I think there's definitely uh, an element of concern or, or hesitancy in terms of the overall workload workload that 23 can give you. Yeah, and Jinx hasn't even even been shy about saying that. Yeah, After he was praising Keenan and his potential and all this, I said, does that mean that he might get a larger role this week? And he goes, uh just to be honest with you, I think that 15 to 20 is probably what he can handle right now. So, all right. So that, that's where he's at. But but you're right. There was a major overreaction to him. There were people applying the Marquis Step dialogue to Keenan Christian all of a sudden going, how could his coaching staff have not, have not used this guy earlier? I can't believe this. And I was just like, I'm not quite there yet on that one. Right with you. So, yeah, so we expect a heavy passing attack. Obviously, Keaton Slovis is going back home. He's from Scottsdale. I know a lot about his recruitment. I don't know what Arizona State's role was, and I tried to ask him this week. And if if you watch the interview sessions with Keaton Slovis, he's he's very what's the word? He's just, he's, he's very reserved. He doesn't say much. He kind of gives quick answers. He's polite, always polite, great guy. Just you know, not the most revealing interview. Well, I asked him. I said, "Was Arizona State involved at all in your recruitment?" 
And this big smile came across his face, and he paused, and he was trying to figure out what to say, and then he kind of just chose not to really go there. <laughs> so I, I don't know if there's some motivation there. I mean, again, everyone knows Keaton's story well. USC had a super fast recruitment with him, got his commitment. Arizona was going to come in and offer him that next week, but he committed to USC, so they, they didn't. But I never knew what Arizona State's status was with him. And just based off his facial reaction to that question, I don't know, maybe there's some added motivation this week for, uh, for the freshman QB. Yeah, I mean, anytime you're coming home, I mean, he's probably going to have 20, 30, 40 people in the stands at least. Like, At, at least, yeah. yeah. I mean, where... I'm blank on his his hometown name, but or yeah, Scottsdale. You said. I mean, anytime he uh, better his whole high school's probably come out to this game. Like we we get kind of numb to the fact that all right, yep, Keen or uh, Keen Slovis is our quarterback. Here we go. But I mean, three months ago, everyone in that everyone in that community, there's probably an element of like ah, Keaton's over there just with an SC jersey. This is awesome. This is fantastic. Well, now he's leading the bunch, so I'm sure his hometown's going crazy and good for him. There's got to be there's got to be motivation. There's got to be a, an, an excitement, and I think that paired with. Uh, I mentioned this a few weeks back, but a lot of these receivers going against a Jack Jones or some familiar faces, these D-linemen. Uh, I don't know if any of these D-linemen played with Roy Hemsley. Christian Rector probably did. Connor Murphy may have. But, I mean, going against familiar faces, it, it kind of it gets you sharp. You better believe these guys are motivated and, and want to make some plays. But, uh, yeah, fun storylines nonetheless. Well, normally we save predictions till the end, but I kind of want to pivot the conversation here soon. So let's just go ahead and do it now. I'll start this week. Again, as I hinted at the top, I am buying in to a strong finish for this USC team. I, that may prove to be foolish. I, I don't know. This is going to be the telling game, obviously. We'll get a real gauge for how much they care about the rest of the schedule on Saturday. But I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt for the reasons I mentioned at, at the top and presume that, that they play this game like any other. I'm going to go USC 38-28. to 28. I'm really going all in on the Trojans this week, which, as I'm saying it, just sounds risky, given what we just watched a week ago. But that's just kind of my gut feel. Max? No, I'm right with you. Uh, I'll go. Uh, I'll go 41 to. Uh, I'll go 41. I mean, they're thinking 13 or 17. I'll go 17. Whoa, okay. Yeah. Okay. No, I just I'm with you. I, I just think I think there's an element of kind of twofold. One, ASU was getting some headlines, so I think some of those a, uh, SC players are going to be like, "Come on now, let's let's get out of here." I also think matchup-wise, this is a, a secondary that was kind of beat up by an air raid offense. I think we're going to get full dose of air raid this week with SC, so I think that's favorable. And I just I'm not huge on this ASU offensive line, and I like this uh, SC defensive line. And when you talk about hopefully they're fully healthy, you talk about Talanoa's getting in there, who's great against the run. Isaiah Palomao, he's back. I just think matchup-wise, this is favorable. I think they, they could give this young QB fits. And I think, I don't know, I, I think that this 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 uh, roster with all the negative pub around around Clay to go around, to go on the road and kind of have a us first you mentality us first the world mentality kind of let's rally around our head coach who for most of those guys he's probably been great too um, I think that could really work in your favor and get just getting out of the Coliseum vibes and I would not be surprised if it's a uh, full Graham Harrell creativity full Graham Graham Harrell air, air raid uh, execution and and SC uh, comes up with a big win. Okay, well, let's let's segue right into hot takes. You know, we do it every week at this time. I'm not going to give you five this week. I'm just going to give you three, and they're not sizzling. I may have burned my own uh, self last week with some of those. <laughs> it, was not a, it was not a good run of hot takes last week for me. So we got to have accountability here, and, and I do. So got to have some put, good hot takes going into the desert. So I'll be ready for uh, whatever you got. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if, you, if you if you put too much stock in my hot takes last week, I do apologize. <laughs> so I'm gonna really just build off what I just said about my expectation for this USC team, and I'm gonna say that I think they win their final three games, go three and zero. And that may not seem like the hottest of takes, but when you consider how up and down this team has been for two years. To predict three straight wins, I think, is pretty risky. Pretty risky there, but that's that's where I'm at. Obviously, they have Arizona State this week. They go to Cal next week. I just don't think that's... 
even though USC lost all these games last year, these same games, I just don't like that Cal team at all. I know it's on the road. I think they handle business there. And then the UCLA game, I think that loss really, really hurt last year. And it's just there's going to be the natural rivalry, amped up motivation for that game. It's it's in the Coliseum. I just expect a different outcome. So I'm saying that USC closes three and zero, finishes eight and four. I do not think it makes any difference in terms of Clay Helton's future. I do not think that Utah helps them out to give them a chance in the Pac-12. So they're going to be eight and four and go into a bowl game, whatever bowl game that is. That's my first hot take. And I buy that totally. And I'll kind of piggyback with maybe another hot take element. I think they either go three and one or one and two. I don't see a world where they go two and one. And I'll kind of let you know what I'm thinking. If 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 they beat ASU, they'll kind of get momentum back on their side. And then I think I'm with you. They'll beat Cal. Cal is bad. There's no way SC's losing to Cal. I don't. I mean, I I just I don't see that with without Chase Garbers. He could be back. So I always kind of hedge that a little bit. Um, but then they get Cal, and at that point, if they're two and zero, I think they got some good vibes. It, it'll be. I mean, who knows where the program will be at? But I think generally it'll be like a hey, let's finish strong mentality, and they get it done versus UCLA. Versus if you lose this game, like, and then I think it'll be. I think you, if you lose this game versus ASU, all right, there's your one loss. I don't see them losing to Cal. And at that point, I just don't think the program will be in a super positive spot necessarily where I could see UCLA kind of getting after SC, especially because playing UCLA now, or at least not now, I shouldn't say now, playing UCLA on November 23rd, which they will, is a lot different than for sure playing UCLA on September 23rd. And it's still different than playing on October 23rd. This team has been a lot better at getting some things going. Uh, and their run game is really getting going, which I think could be an interesting dynamic. But, uh, no, I totally buy with that 3-0. and I just I don't see a, wor- a world culture-wise just kind of the 2-1. and But, no, I like that. I think 3-0. and I, I really do. Good stuff. Good stuff. Uh, number two is it's not really that hot if you were following the coverage this week. I think that this is the last we see of Keenan Christian this season. This is be his fourth game played. You can play four games and still redshirt. Clay actually made it pretty clear that that's what they're hoping. Now that is contingent on Stephen Carr coming back, and they're also hoping that Vi Malapai can come back maybe next week. I didn't hear any mention of that after Tuesday. Clay didn't mention him on Thursday, so I don't know if he's progressed. If that's still a possibility, but. I think they really, really want to not play Christian in a fifth game. If Carr is going to be iffy next week and Vi is not back, then they're going to have to. They're going to at least have to have him active and available. But my hot take is that they will find a way to protect that red shirt, and this is the last we will see of Keenan Christian this season. Yeah, I'll sell that. I'll go against the grain. I, I just I, I look at, I mean, I, once again, I've said this the past couple of weeks, but like uh, Stephen Carr's injury, like I thought that was – Horrible. I, I was I was very surprised it was a hamstring strain or pull or however you want to do it. I thought it was something way worse. So I'm still iffy with kind of how he's going to get back. I mean, uh, Vavai, I'm not sure there. It is his senior year. So sure, he can probably get back and, and get a little workload. But if Marquis Step is out, I just – you go down the, the running back, I think it might come down to, I mean, how much trust do they have in Quincy Johnny to kind of have a few carries a game. But I just I, – I think I think there's a, a world where they need him. And – Maybe this gets back into kind of Graham Harrell saying, hey, I want to just stick with my air raid roots, and we, we don't need the whole stable of backs, and we can kind of plug and play mentality. But if I'm Keen Christian and you kind of get into the redshirt rule, it'd be different if this was kind of November 15th and we were saying this, and it was only like two more games, like one or two more games left. But he would, he still has three more games. That's I mean, that's still a, a, I mean, he's, he'll, he'll, he will have played like half the year. That's still a good piece. I think you can sell that, um, but then on the other side of that token, if I'm Keaton Christian and I'm saying, all right, my, all right, mom and dad, all right, Clay Helton, if you're only going to give me three carries in the next, or after that you give me 15 carries this game and you're only going to give me three carries against Cal and UCLA, is that worth a whole year of eligibility? The answer for that's no. And so for him, I'm probably having to sit down saying, Coach, like I'm, I'm not trying to have the easy way out, but I'm, I'm not blowing my red shirt. Maybe that's a thing. But uh, I'll go against the grain just because I think there's a world where this SC team really needs that uh, that extra back. You darn near talked me out of my own hot take. That was that was a compelling retort. Yeah. Um, no, I just uh, yeah. I, I look through it. I just through the player mentality. Like, let me be clear with the player mentality. If I'm Keaton Christian, like 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 I said, I mean, I'm trying to get that fifth year. Like, I don't want to just have like like the little kind of 
leftover carries or kind of afterthought carries against uh, two teams that SC should get after in Cal and UCLA to end the game versus he is a guy that could use the extra year uh, for his, I'm sure he has pro aspirations, but also for, I mean, collegiate wise, like to get his body right. Like Keaton Christian, he's going to be a totally different back as a senior versus a freshman just off sheer weight room kind of getting his body right. So uh, I would definitely pull for that if I was him and his family. Yeah, I know this hot take goes against my earlier hot take of him leading the team in rushing yards. I just it's really based on the vibe I got off of Clay Helton this week and We gotta get the stats for that. I wonder where we're at with that hot take. <laughs> we're we're right on track. Are we? He's okay. had, he's, <clears throat> he had to average sixty rushing yards a game. He's had over seventy in his uh in the last two games each. So we are cruising right along there, but the return of Carr or Vi uh, could compromise that. That, that. that one's not done yet. That one's not done yeah, yet, even it. though I'm TBD. undermining it right here. Yeah, it's, it's purely based on the vibe I got off Clay uh, and and what I think they want to do. But but you make some good points there. Okay, uh, I'm just gonna give you three this week. The last one, and I actually there was some uh, inner debate here for me on this one. I think the most valuable coach on the staff this year. And I've made this point before, so this is not going to surprise anybody. Is Greg Burns? I also considered Tim Drevno. I just have seen a difference in that line this year that I thought was was crucial, especially in pass protection. They've been they've been pretty good there. But Greg Burns had the toughest job I think of any coach on this roster on this team with his young, 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 thin, thin, thin secondary. He's played so many guys. It's mostly been very good. We're going to come out of the season feeling great about where they're at at cornerback. Um, maybe not so great about safety beyond Hufanga. Polamau's been up and down. But if you look at the pro football focus numbers, Polamau has been trending up. He's had his best tackling grades in recent weeks, even though I think he still misses some. The issue is at least corrected. And I just like Greg Burns' style. I like go back two games ago to the Colorado game and he pulls Polamau out for the first two series of the fourth quarter to make a point to him and it's on the sidelines making sure that he understands what he's doing wrong and he, and, he, and in a crucial moment in the game doesn't hesitate to pull that guy out and say no we're, we're going to talk about this right now you, you are going to fix this I, I just thought that was a really bold move and they got by with Britton Allen for those series Polamau comes back in and finishes the game out so I, I, I like his style. I like the results of what I've seen. And the fact that Kalana McCullough might start this week, and we'll see how he plays, but McCullough was like the last guy added to USC's recruiting class last year. He was a two-star prospect out of Hawaii who they discovered during the Polynesian Bowl, which is in mid-January, and got him in on a visit the final weekend. He, If there was anybody in that signing class you thought was a project or was going to for sure redshirt it would be him and he's actually already played in two games now he's going to have a bigger role saturday if he plays well that's just another feather in the cap of greg burns no i'm i'm right with you and i know uh you brought up a similar topic a couple weeks back and i kind of was making the graham harrell um case a little bit just because i think this offense um i know we're coming off a week where it wasn't that impressive but by and large i thought this offense was super friendly to a young quarterback. Um, I, I think it allows Keen Slovis to have a clear clear picture. I think it's very advantageous for all the receivers they have. But, man, it's hard to go against Craig Burns. I'm right with you. I mean, you talk about where we were at in August with, like, the secondary being either concerned 1A or 1B with the offensive line or maybe even, yeah, a, a, ahead of it, to now that being, like, the strong suit and that's the position group we don't even worry about anymore. Like, that's as impressive as it gets. I think – that to me, just in, sh- in terms of sheer kind of where we were at in August to where we are now is point one. And then two, I think you touched on it, just the amount of bodies that have played and the amount of bodies that have had a role and they've been counted on to go out there and perform, especially for young guys. That's been impressive. And then I think Chris Steele was a guy we didn't see last year. Obviously, he was in high school. He's been great. But the guys we did see last year, uh, Elijah Griffin and then, uh, I mean, the, the – the, the, the development that he's a guy like that has made, I think that's been impressive when you saw him a year ago to what he is now. Um, but, yeah, I think all those reserves you've talked about that I've had to come in here, Max Williams, and, and make an impact. Um, yeah, no, Greg. Bas- D- D- Dorian Hewitt, another freshman. Dorian Hewitt. Game. Yep, he's made uh, 
made a big uh, big impact. But uh, yeah, I think it was funny. The one little side note I'll make is uh, Coach Hayward, USC's defensive back coach. Uh, my my like three years there, um, he obviously was let go at SC, and uh, he's Oregon's DB coach now. I saw him like up in the booth, uh, which is just kind of funny. He's wearing Oregon stuff versus SC stuff, and it always just cracks me up just how. A coach can get fired from one school, get picked up, and now Oregon's secondary is rolling, and now he's kind of like a, a hot name in that. But it, it's just crazy how it goes from fired. To, and I bring it up because Greg Burns is a guy that's been in a lot of Pac-12 schools. It just yeah. kinda, it kind of shows you timing and maybe what you learn from each stop in the road and kind of roster uh, roster timing as well, how much of an impact that that makes. But don't don't get, don't get it twisted. 2019, Greg Burns, uh, he's done a great job. And sounds like he's a fan favorite in the media too, which is uh, always a plus as well. Yeah, I, I don't <clears> – <throat> there was not a lot of excitement for that hire when it was made. He's coming from Oregon State. He had been at Cal. He had been at USC obviously in the past. But I, I think that people weren't overwhelmed by it and it certainly panned out. Okay, let's just close with some non-football stuff, although it's going to also overlap with football. On Thursday, USC introduced athletic director Mike Bone, finally, almost a week after the reports came out that he was going to be the guy. Mike Bone is a very energetic and passionate guy, and he made that clear. He said, "My, my passion and energy never take a day off. And I can certainly see that. He's, he was pretty fired up. He's, his, his voice goes up a few decibels when he wants to emphasize a point. And I don't know. I, from the feedback I've seen on social media on our message board, I think it resonated well with a lot of USC fans. They liked his passion and energy. It's you know obviously a stark difference from Lynn Swan, who was not so out there, definitely not engaging with the media, just not really a presence. This guy's going to be a presence. And that's been his reputation everywhere he's been. He's been an AD at four different schools, most recently Cincinnati. And the reports from all those stops were that, that Mike Bone is going to be active in the university community. He's going to, you're going to see him all over campus. He's going to be very present. I mean, we can get into some other topics about his uh, introduction, but just overall, I think personality-wise, I think it's going to be a nice fit for USC. I'm with you, and I think personality is the key word there. He he seems like a guy that's got that little bit of juice, and uh, I'm with you. I think when you talk about coming from a guy like Lynn, I mean, you kind of see this with a lot of hires, right? You see, um, yeah, yeah, he, like, yeah. SC had Lane Kiffin, wasn't necessarily the most, like, social best with the media kind of guy. You go to a guy like Sark, who at the beginning of his stage was very good with, like, kind of media and, like, managing conversations and all that stuff. So you kind of go one side to the other. I mean, we saw it with USC strength coach this year. You go from uh, a, a, a cutting-edge kind of Ivan Lewis, kind of always trying to find that next advantage, to then a guy who in double-A who's going to kind of just do what he's done for years and kind of stick on your core principles. So to me, I think that that switch is always kind of healthy because it allows kind of uh, something fresh, but I'm with you. Uh, I, I, I was, I liked his answers. It, it seemed like he was, he was giving you some meat to his answers rather than just kind of the cliche, like answers you could expect in a new AD to, to, to say, but that, that's kind of since the second his name was, was surfaced, uh, everyone kind of said he has that energy. That's kind of another word you put on it. And with a school like SC where so in a position like AD where so much of it is conversation, so much of it is kind of relationships. So much of it is kind of like fundraising and all that that personality trait i think is huge and uh so far so good and uh, i loved i think you you were the one that asked the question ryan but i loved his response to is the future of the sc kind of program and football program is it solely on his shoulders or is it kind of team oriented and uh he was he was all about team and he was like hey i'm just kind of yes i know i'm the face but i mean i got a team behind me and a group behind me and i think um that's kind of refreshing to hear, and not that Lynn Swan was the other way, but I think when you do have a Lynn Swan or a Pat Hayden and they are the face and they are kind of like the person in the athletic department just because of kind of their off-field fame, that's to now have kind of a more team, camaraderie, group culture, I think that's healthy. That was definitely the biggest takeaway. You know, there was all this chatter. There were reports, there was chatter that there had been some after the fact hesitation by Bone because uh, President Carol Foltz and the university weren't going to let him pursue Urban Meyer if he got the job. 
So that had to be addressed yesterday, just kind of what autonomy or latitude he has. I asked President Folt directly if she's placed any limitations on what he can do with the football position, and she just said no. And shook her head, nope. And that was it. I saw your we clip. It was like, like a it was like an eight second clip. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was it was brief. I mean, it, it had to be asked though, and 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 we'll see we'll see how it plays out. But it had to at least be asked to be on the record. And then, yeah, when I asked Mike Bone, you know, what latitude or autonomy you have, I liked his response, and he goes, I I, I don't think that any successful athletic director or anywhere I've been, you operate totally autonomous it has to be a group because i'm not gonna be a one-man band i won't be i can't be you know that that seems to be in in contrast to the reports that came out about you know him being frustrated about what he could or couldn't do with that hire he seemed pretty totally on board with with this being a collaboration and that there are going to be other voices in that room that help figure this out as they decide what to do with the future of usc football but that, that was the biggest takeaway by far in terms of of Clay Helton, uh, obviously they weren't going to comment about that. They said what you would expect him to say. It's premature. I just got here. Uh, he, he met with Clay Helton on Thursday. Clay, of course, was was super, super positive about that meeting and big fan of Mike Bone, which I'm sure is awkward in some way. But uh, Clay, yeah, that's got to be so awkward. <laughs> I, I can't imagine. And it actually made it, it made me question yesterday if Clay is still holding out hope and thinks that there's a chance for him to save his job these last three games. Obviously, none of us think that. No, no one in the fan base thinks that. And I, I kind of thought that he was probably resigned to the reality after Oregon. But the way he was just bothering up Mike Bone in our press conference last night after practice, and just, man, I, what a great hire this guy's going to be. I'm so proud for the university. This is going to be great. This, that. I kind of got the feeling, like, whoa, maybe, maybe he's still thinking that there's a chance here. And that's fine. I mean, I, could, I couldn't begrudge him for that at all. It's, it's his livelihood. It's his job. And you might as well approach everything till the end as if, you know, it's not predetermined. So no criticism there. Yeah, but like to, to me, I, I, from that. Yeah, to me, I can't. I mean, if you're in Clay, I mean, he's on his, like, last leg, you'd like, you'd like to think. So, I mean, <laughs> I'd, I'd butter up. I'd butter him up, too. Like, try, try, to, try, to, try to make it happen. But, yeah, I mean, we, we shall see. I, I think... I think the writing's on the wall, but I'm sure that meeting was was awkward nonetheless. Yeah. All right. Well, I just want to hit on a couple of points there with Mike Bone. If, if you uh, have not been to Trojansports.com in the last day and a half or so, get there. We had a ton of coverage from that press conference. I, I had a column. I had a story about how they're going to handle the football decision. We have all the video, not just the full press conference, but also the interviews off to the side with Fulton Bone. So there's a lot to digest on the site. As always, there's a lot to just on the site and we will come back to you on trojan talk on tuesday breaking down the arizona state game with max and looking ahead to the final stretch of this season max as always good show thank you thanks ron